It is uh, about half past the hour, running a tad late today. I have to apologize to Robbie. He's been waiting in the wings. Pastor Robbie, an Anglican pastor from Virginia. His church is in Fairfax. He lives in Ashburn. He is the executive director of Preserving Bible Times, and he is uh, gracious enough to join us on Thursday and elevate the conversation, which we look forward to greatly here. Um, Today, Robbie... uh, this this is so deep that we, this has to do with the call. The calling was maybe a little clearer than the call. This isn't about telephones. Um, this, right. this is about initially spirit, I, I guess. And I'm I'm wondering, uh, can you can you be following Jesus' call before following Jesus? Can you be doing his will? Can you, can you be maybe inadvertently responding, unconsciously responding? Um, does God use you before you become a disciple of Christ? Calling's a big subject. And first of all, wonderful to be with you, Jim and David. Always a pleasure to be on the broken road, especially with a topic like this, the calling of the 12 mm. disciples or calling in general. There's themes in calling. We all have our call. We have an experience of being called by God. Calling's a weird title, though, because when we think about call, we do think about, you know, telephones. Did, did your phone ring? That's how mm-hmm. we think about calling. Or in these days, was your ringer silent or did it vibrate and it, you just not hear yeah, it? Yeah, usually there's you know, an I, alert of some kind that you're being called, right. you know, and we, we have a, an innate tendency to, to put it at the top of the priority list. Oh, the phone's ringing. I'll be right back. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. so I'll drop so, everything I'm doing. Yeah, and or I, I'm just going to ignore it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to silence my ringer. I'm not going to let it go to voicemail. Yeah, what does it mean that God calls us? You know, we we think about the calling of the twelve disciples, Jesus's call, but calling has been happening throughout the Bible. I would go all the way back to Adam and Eve with this, where God's calling them to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it, and uh, not to eat of a specific tree. And, and you know, they, they did well with some of that call, and they failed miserably in other components of that call. Mm-hmm. But calling is as old as God and his people. And God is always calling us to be more, to do more, to follow him for sure. You know, the first order of business is, a relationship with God through his son, Jesus, and we're all called to that. What does it mean that God speaks to his people? What does it mean, and how do we know, I should say, that we're we're listening? And last week we talked about Samuel's call and how God had called him three times yeah, before. Yeah, qu- qu- question for you, though, because that, that relates in another way. Before Samuel was born, yeah. his mother set things up so things would happen in just the right sequence at just the right time. And eventually he was called three times by the voice of God, uh, mistaking it for being called by Eli outside the uh, the tabernacle. But eventually he responded. Um, God's plan works with or without you, I guess is the point of that. Yeah, and, and let's talk about that because here in D.C. Uh, on Friday, and it's, we're probably going to get about a, a couple of inches of snow and I'm, I'm afraid that the, the March for Life this year is going to be snowed out. But we're thinking about life in the metropolitan D.C. area. We're thinking about in the District of Columbia, Maryland, and Virginia, what we call the DMV. We're thinking about issues of life this weekend. And uh, really, we do see 
that Samuel's call happens before he's even conceived in his mother's womb. Mm-hmm. Remember, she's barren and she's praying for a child, and she makes promises or commitments on this child's behalf. And that's important because, yes, that's the beginning of Samuel's call even before he's conceived. Now, God knows Samuel. I mean, I will cite uh, Psalm 139 for that. You've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path, my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, you know it all together. Here the psalmist says, before I was formed in my mother's womb, you knew me. And you appointed, and and you see this again in, in Jeremiah's call, in Jeremiah 29, that God appointed Jeremiah as a prophet for the nations. So you see this pre-conception even calling on the prophets' lives. And so that's important because God's calling happens in the heart of God long before we even come into this world. There's a a, a relationship here to the name Broken Road Radio Mm -hmm. and, and the whole concept of the broken road. And the idea is that you're born, you grow up, you go to school, you live life, you may pick a vocation, you may get married and have kids. Who knows at what point in your life this happens. But at some point, if you're lucky, I don't know if that's the right word, you come to realize there's something bigger than you. There's, yeah. there's, there's somebody in charge of the universe, and it's not you. It's not, it's yeah. not, not the police department. It's not the governor. It's not the president. Uh, it's not the emperor. You, you, you'll learn that there's something much bigger than you who is calling the shots. And at that point, you start to think about that and hopefully move him being God, the creator God, to the center of your life. Now, that doesn't mean you've said yes to Jesus, Yeah. but it's the dawn of knowledge. And I, I think it, it's the area where a lot of people who are still on the periphery of the church find themselves. They're curious. They know there's something else going on here. They need to nail it down for themselves. There are others who are committed already who need to learn more about it. And that's why Broken Road Radio. And that's why people like you are on the air with us. Um, mm. Because we we teach to both Christians who want to go deeper and to those who are, I hate the word seekers, but the, the, they've responded. They know there's a difference between them and the Creator, and they, they want to put things in the proper position. Um, yeah. So in in a way, that's a call, isn't it? Yeah, and and I would probably word it a little bit different. I would say recognizing that God is the center and then begin to orbit our lives around him mm, yes. it, it, instead of orbiting our lives around someone or something else, but to begin to gravitate around the center who is God. So in Jeremiah 29, 11, God tells Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. But before he tells Jeremiah that, at the beginning of his call, the very beginning in chapter 1, verses 4 through 10, it echoes Psalm 139 that I just read to you. Uh, it says, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. 
But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. This is Jeremiah's call. And then the Lord touches his mouth. This sounds a lot like uh, Isaiah being his tongue being touched with a hot coal in Isaiah 6. It does. Yeah, God touches uh, Jeremiah's mouth and says, I put my words into your mouth. See, today I appoint you over the nations and kingdoms, uproot, tear down, destroy, overthrow, build, and plant. I mean, that's what a commissioning. I mean, this is God's commissioning and calling and blessing of the prophet Jeremiah and instruction to to do some amazing things. Um, I, I love this uh, tear down, destroy, overthrow. So it's not just uh, be over the nations and kingdoms, but to up uproot and to overthrow and to build and to plant. I mean, uh, sometimes, you know, I'm a construction guy. Sometimes you got to get through the demolition to get to the construction, you know. Mm. And, you know, we may may never have really seen, not in the Bible anyway, what happened to Jeremiah. What's going on here? We just lost uh, communications. Here. <laughs> uh, I'm here. Okay, <laughs> yep, wait a second. I'm here. I don't You're know what's still happening. here. All right. Well, my but that computer, was still here, yeah. My computer's doing odd things. I don't know how much long. But I'm just saying Jeremiah eventually, after the Babylonians had, had ransacked Jerusalem and torn down the temple, he escaped to Egypt. Some of his real building might have happened there. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, just the, the rebuilding after the exile. I mean, this is the same Jeremiah that God instructed to buy land. You know, mm-hmm. Here comes the Babylonians. They're going to destroy everything. Buy some land. Yeah, that'd know? be a good time. In other yeah. words, there's hope for you yet. There's hope uh, that there's going to be a rebuilding. So a future in real estate. And these are prophetic acts that demonstrate uh, a trust in God. And so God is often calling us in our calling. He's saying, "Hey, put some skin in the game. You know, put your money where your mouth is. Begin to act on this as if it were so." So it's one thing to believe God's going to be restoring his presence in the land. It's another thing to buy real estate. <laughs> yeah, but you see, that, that's, that's the Hebrew culture at work here. And again, this is more context. The word believe wasn't an intellectual assent to an idea or a concept or a philosophy. It was living it. It was saying, this is the truth. I will build my life around this. All my actions will reflect this is the core of my being. Um, so when, when you see the word believe in the Bible, that, that's really what it meant to those people at that time. It's action. God is what God does, and you believe what you do. Mm-hmm. So this is the whole book of James uh, in the New Testament. Faith without works is dead. So you see this theme of calling throughout. You know, we, we mentioned the Psalms. We mentioned, you know, Genesis. We mentioned Jeremiah. In passing, I mentioned Isaiah 6. And what's Isaiah's response to God's call? It's not goody-goody. It's, oh, I'm ruined. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, de- I'm dead in the water. I mean, sometimes we think that God's going to call us, and it's going to be this beautiful thing. And we're not going to somehow be wrestling with this call. Not going to somehow be uh, questioning God in it. 
that it's going to somehow build us up and not necessarily tear us down. I mean, we, this is, I believe, the the tear down and then build peace. I mean, I think God's call works externally like that. In order for his kingdom to come, we have to, the, the kingdom of this world, kind of the things that are not of God need to be tore down. And then we build back what is of God. I think that happens in, internally, too. Before God can use us, we have to be tore down. Our wills, our uh, desires, our uh, motivations, our agenda has to be torn down and then replaced by what God has for us. I mean, this is this is why when you get into the call in the New Testament, you see fishermen laying down their nets. Not because there's something wrong with fishing, but because God is now saying this chapter of your life is going to be over, but don't worry. And this is why I think Jesus uses the words, I'm going to make you fishers of men. That's fisherman language because these are fishermen. It's not like, hey, you have to scrap how I've designed you, hardwired you, given you gifts, skills, and passions, your core competencies. You have to throw that away. No, Jesus is saying, you're going to put that down and you're going to pick up something similar and I'm going to leverage that for my kingdom's sake. And they responded immediately and left what they were doing, which was important work, by the way. If you look into the context of how fishermen on the Sea of Galilee worked, they were repairing their nets after a night of fishing. They fished at night normally. So they, they, were, they were building back up to make the next night's trip possible, mending nets and, and getting ready. So this was not like, like, like they were playing solitaire or something. They were busily engaged in, their, in running their business, and they dropped it to follow him immediately. I'm, I'm also reminded of the conversation he had with the rich man who asked him, how do, how do, you, how do you get to heaven? And he said, well, sell, sell everything you have. Uh, again, that relates to what you just said. You've got to strip away all the non-essentials and, and pay attention to, to the route that has been marked out for you and respond favorably. Yeah. And then... I also would add here that does everyone need to sell everything they have and follow Jesus or just this guy mm-hmm. <laughs> or this guy and maybe a handful of other people. So I would suggest that this calling is specific to this particular person. Well, Jesus knew who that person was inside and out. Yes. That's so the nature of the Jesus. Pro- yeah. The problem with calling is it's not one size fits all. Because each person is unique and different. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I mean, this is what the psalmist says, right? We just looked at Psalm 139, and Psalm 139, verse 13 says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. This is uh, calling, I would say, is as unique as each individual is, who is created uniquely in the image of God in their mother's womb, whom God knew before conception in the heart of God and devised a plan for, a calling for, a specific call. So God also knows our hangups. He knows the thing that we're gravitating or orbiting around, to use that word uh, again, because we were talking about 
God being in the center and us orchestrating our lives around him, God understands that some of us have built our lives around lesser gods, little g. And so for this rich man who's called, his idol is money. And Jesus knows it because when he says, what does the law say? The the man leaves out covetousness when he quotes the law. And he leads leaves out loving, you know, God with all all of all of his heart because he's divided. He, he he's a divided person because he's coveting money over God. So Jesus understands that to call for this particular person and his call, he's gonna have to sell everything he owns to follow. And, and and I, I think it, you can advise me on this, but it doesn't have a, happen to happen, have to happen like a bolt of lightning out of the blue. No. Sometimes it's 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 a still small voice. It's it's quiet urgings. It's it's just looking at your life and saying, uh, maybe going. And may, that's why I say on, when you reach that point where you know you've been on a broken road, and and that road is now going to going to turn into a straight and narrow path. It, it's possible to look back and see times in your life when God made miniature adjustments in your work history, your family history, your attitudes, everything to prepare you for what's ahead. And that can happen at any age. That's the the, the idea of the broken road. You look back and you say, aha, it was a broken road. Hmm. And now I know how to center my life. And from here on out, I'm working for you. Yeah, absolutely. And and we see that in our own lives. I mean, we see how God has used, uh, you know, these throwaway lines, these throwaway seasons in our lives where we thought God was silent or points of misery or points of failure, and God has somehow redeemed them or used them uh, for the advancement of his kingdom and, and for us to be able to minister to others, for us to be prepared for a higher calling. I mean, I think about my uh, call to youth ministry initially when God called me to youth ministry. I mean, I was a troubled youth. I should have been a high school dropout. I I failed every grade in middle school, some of them twice, and had to go to summer school. (laughs) And I mean, I was 19 when I graduated high school and thought that I was done because, thank God, I even graduated. And somehow the Lord used all of my brokenness to minister to at-risk youth and to call me to be a pastor. And for some reason and somehow, I ended up with a master's degree and being an ordained Anglican priest. If you'd have told me that in high school, I would have laughed at you. Mm. (laughs) I mean, I would have had no idea. I mean, even my construction background, just the business piece— and leading a church, managing church business. I mean, you know, these are things that I, I thought that God had me in construction, but really he was preparing me to conduct the business of his he church. Was while a, he was equipping to you to do what he'd called you to do. Yeah, absolutely. So the old saying is, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the call. Hmm. I had not heard that old saying, but I can accept that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he doesn't call the equipped he equips the call. Mm. And so you see this in like the calling of Amos. Amos is a sheep herder from Tekoa. He's a tender of sycamore fig trees. That's blue collar work. So you got this shepherd who's piercing sycamore fruit so they ripen. 
so that he can graze his sheep in other people's pasture. And God's even using that to, to cause Amos to be able to understand people, know the land, know the wealthy people of the land, travel the land. And God sends this guy to be a prophet to the north. Well, it's because he's been equipped in his laboring. And that's where God, you know, God's word says, when you're faithful with a little, he'll make you faithful over a lot. So a lot of times people are looking for the big call, but they're not willing to do what they're called. Mm. So if we are obedient in the call that God has us in currently, that's the prerequisite for the next thing that God wants to have you do. But he's not going to call you to the next thing until you're doing the first thing. And that's mm. where we sometimes miss the boat with calling. It's, it's a fascinating topic, and uh, the, the thoughts go on and on. I, I'm thinking of, of David as a, a youth, a young boy, herding sheep. That had to be yep. experience that served him well in the years to come, including running his band of, uh, of brigands in the, in the desert uh, for, for the next 10, 12 years. Um, it all worked together to make him king of Israel at the time, and and all that uh, that sheep sense, that sheep herding sense, all the the extraordinary care that a shepherd has to take of the, of, a, of a bunch of dumb sheep um, served him well as king. And listen, that's exactly the credentials that David gives Goliath before he kills him. He says, I've killed the bear, I've killed the lion, and now I'm going to kill you, you uncircumcised Philistine. Mm -hmm. So he tells them by which skill set he's about to end his life, end, end Goliath's life. So David understands that he's equipped to do this amazing thing, which, by the way, gets him the fame, which ends up landing the kingship, right? Because he's beloved of the people. And so uh, there it is. I mean, David using his shepherding skills. Now, there's, a, there's another aspect to that. I think David was the man called to run the military to defeat the Philistines and bring peace to Israel. In, yep. in addition to maybe learning the technology of, of iron and steel from the Philistines, who learned it from the, uh, the eight, beginning eight, Kingdom H, the, the, the up north. Um, anyway. Hittites. Hittites, thank you, yeah. The Philistines learned it from the Hittites. David spent years in Gath, which was the home of Goliath, after he'd killed Goliath, and, and saw how to create iron and steel weapons, which gave the, the Israelites parity in weaponry with the Philistines, and they went on to defeat them in war and bring peace to Israel. Uh, the sequence of events is, is, is undeniable, and you, it had, had to be guided by God from beginning to end. And it's in the right time, too. Mm -hmm. It's the transition from the Bronze Age to the Iron Age. Mm -hmm. So the timing of calling is monumental as well. Um, sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is wait, not yet. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in calling, the timing has to be right. And things have to line up. And we saw this with, you know, Zachariah and Elizabeth and them waiting on a son um, because God wanted the timing to line up with the birth of the Messiah, Jesus, so that he could prepare the way. So Zachariah and Elizabeth couldn't have a son earlier 
because God's trying to get that timing orchestrated perfectly. And this is where where you see the 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 throwaway line. It's not even a throwaway line. It's epic in Esther. Who you were born for such a time as this? Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, that's that's exactly right. That the timing of call has to be right. So some of my favorite um, passages on calling is Luke chapter three, where you see the call of. Well, really, John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus, and you see all the people coming to John the Baptist to be baptized. And as John is baptizing by the Jordan, and you see all of this in Luke chapter 3, and it starts around verse 7, the crowds came, and he calls the, the religious leaders broods of vipers. Who, fl- who warned you to flee from the wrath to come bear fruit in keeping with repentance? And the crowds start coming, and they ask him, what should we do? And J- J- John says, whoever has tunics, share with one who has none. And whoever has food, do likewise. And then tax collectors came to be baptized. Remember, tax collectors are hated people. The lowest and- of the low, yeah. Yeah, and so they're coming, and the key here is what shall we do? This shows the heart condition of these tax collectors. John says, collect no more than you are authorized to. And then Roman soldiers come and ask them, what shall we do? And he said, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, but be content with your wages. The reason I love this passage is this. Number one, God is calling the Gentile Roman, even from the beginning of Jesus's ministry, before Jesus is even into it, John the Baptist is baptizing tax collectors and Roman soldiers. So who does God call? All kinds of people. And that's the encouragement. What does God call us to do? Well, he doesn't necessarily call us to stop what we're doing, but to do what we're doing differently. And when we orchestrate our lives and calling around Jesus, we will do things differently. And we will do what he wants us to do and not necessarily what we want to do or how we want to do it, but how he wants us to live our lives. And that's calling, is being obedient to the thing that God has asked us to do. So for Pete's sakes, pay attention out there. Hmm. Keep your eyes peeled because there's a reason you're here. And if you haven't discovered it yet, that means discovery is still ahead of you. Look forward to that with hope and respond. Pastor Robbie, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Pastor uh, Robbie, again, the Executive Director of Preserving Bible Times, a ministry that we hold near and dear here. PreservingBibleTimes.org is the website. You'll find lots of references, materials, videos, things for free, things you can buy that that instruct you in biblical context, which means it teaches you how to read between the lines, stuff that's already there that you just might not be aware of. The idea being that you need to understand Scripture the way the original audience heard it, in all the power and all the, the wonder that it, that it holds. So, preservingbiblietimes.org, we recommend highly. Pay a visit there and see what they've got to offer. Robbie, thanks so much. Appreciate it. And we'll see you in a week or so. At least that's the plan, huh? Joy and a privilege, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on The Broken Road. Pleasure as always, Jim and David. We'll see you next week. 